Saw a wide in the VL with two subbies Stereotype with a huge intercooler Doing it right might be like I'm confused what's the attraction But some dudes just love to lose traction That cruise action Saturday night You can do it at the lights Or get in a fight right You heard the systems Welcome to Rogue Bogues This is the Car Chat Series Episode 4 Welcome Justin Hey, how you going man? How you been? Yeah, good, good, good. Just um, hanging about, hanging about, not doing too much, pumping out some podcasts at the moment. Um, what about you? Yeah, so we're all back at work now, so everything's all firing away there. So, um, yeah, can't keep up with the demand at the moment. So everyone is out there splashing cash, so which is uh, great for our economy right now. So yeah, until until winter hits and hopefully not another COVID outbreak. Very true. Very true. So yeah, well, I guess um, let's let's uh, get into it. Very robust, baby. So, I mean, we've um, we've been chatting about this for a while. We've mentioned it on previous podcasts and there's, there's a shitload of articles that have come out discussing what we're about to talk about. So, I'll cite one from James Weiss from dmarge.com. That's D-M-A-R-G-E.com. Found this article, which was pretty interesting. It's it just talking about... Um, you know, the, the boom or bust, essentially, it says the Australian car market is currently hotter than a rusty old Kingswood on a 15-hour road trip. <laughs> yeah. And they, they basically discuss, you know, very similar things to what we have. It's a COVID-19 crisis that's made people so crazy. I mean, reasons that we'd come up with were, you know, people are bored at home, people just want to spend some money, people have more cash. Um, but yep. it, it makes some 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 pretty you know bold statements, basically saying it's been it's been Bogan cars that have seen the most dramatic speculation. Big Australian built sedans mm-hmm. like the Ford Falcon, Holden Commodore, as well as other local legends like the Chrysler Valiants, Gemini's, and Toyota Crowns have all become insanely hot property right now. Now I don't think they're too involved in the car community because you know s- some Chryslers and some Commodores um, have have held value pretty well for the last 10, 15, 20 years, but yep. there's definitely been a boom. Um, if you'd label it as Bogan cars, I mean, you'd probably be talking about just your stock Holden Calais or something like that, where they've even received, you know, the trickle-up effect, right? Yeah, it's, um. look, I mean, yeah, I mean, spot on. I mean, pretty much everything he's saying in that, just about the boredom, you know, I guess with travel restrictions, no one really going on holidays, you know, um, all those things around were saying about, you know, people cancelling weddings, being bored at home. Plus, um, you know, I guess some of the younger guys and things I was saying at the time, ripping money out of their super, blowing it on these cars because they're stuck at home and they're bored. So we have touched on a lot of that, a lot of that in the past. Um, one thing there, he just said about that 80s and 90s cars that are just booming like crazy. So, um, yeah, no doubt about it from that side. I guess, that, you know, guys our age, Bogues, I mean, that that's, that's a thing. You know, we're getting to the point. You know, record low interest rates right now. That's that's one thing to really think about. Um, and to put it into perspective around that, I actually chatted to someone the other day. Um, you know, I'm involved in the property investing game. We're actually talking about about the whole hot property market right now, and we're just saying. And I said as an example, five hundred and fifty thousand dollar property. If you think about that, a lot of money. If you had the opportunity to buy, say, ten years ago for three hundred thousand, it actually costs you more to hold a property ten years ago at three hundred thousand because rates back then ran about that six point eight percent. We're looking interest only on property, you know, on investment properties here. Whereas now you're at about, um, you know, you can get investment investment loans and things for about three point one four percent. So if you look at that holding cost with guys our age who have bought property years ago have now got lazy equity in these house in these houses, why not rip equity out and go away go out and buy these cars and and that's the thing. Bought them, it's all happened and that's that's where 
you know, we've spoken before, that's where that bubble kind of sits because, you know, when borders back, you know, when they're back open again, we're splashing money on international holidays and then all that all starts kicking off. Just kind of, kind of wonder where, um, you know, where all this sits and if people will be left holding the baby who are paying top dollar right now. Well, that's what else was mentioned in this article. So uh, they actually spoke with um, the car sales editor-in-chief by the name of Mike Sinclair, who relates he's sceptical about this current Mm -hmm. Bogan car boom. He's he's basically on record as saying the speculative buying on HSVs and other V8 Holdens and Australian-made cars in general is crazy, but it's just not sustainable. It won't last forever. There are a few cases where there's a pot of gold. There are a few, very few cases where there's a pot of gold at the end of it. And he basically finished it off by saying people will get their fingers burned. Now, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I agree and disagree. I think um, the market, if you looked at, you know, an XY um, Phase 3 GT from back in the day, I mean, what what boom caused them to, to go up so much? You know what I mean? I think a lot of it is nostalgic. A lot of it is um, guys, like you said, our age are usually coming into into some sort of wealth or money around about their 40s, yep. 45, 50, and you generally see cars of, of their eras as a teenager are the ones that, that see the biggest yep. boom, and, and that's what we saw with, you know, the, the, the Phase 3 XY GTs, and then it just got legs and went out of control. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it goes down too much. I think there's – look, if, if, they're, if they're saying Bogan cars, like they later on, they're later on list in this, um, in this article, Bogan car, 2017 HS, yep. they, they cite the GTSR W1, um, the Lou. Um, I, I don't classify that as a Bogan car. I mean, yeah, okay, Holden, Holden and Ford, okay, yeah, but you, you're not going to see a Bogan driving one of those cars. You're going to see a, a guy that loves racing, a guy that loves high-powered cars, and a guy with money that's done well for himself in life. So, I think they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of not um, not on the same wavelength. Now, you know, if you start saying, okay, someone's buying a stock bog, you know, Holden Calais, VK Holden Calais yep. or a a VN Commodore, you know, six-cylinder and wants drug money for that, that's a whole different story. But I think they're kind of twisting um, the high-end HSV, FPV stuff with the generic stuff. Yeah, I've, I've you know, that that has been one absolute hate of mine, especially, you know, when I've seen news articles and things out there of A9X Tiranas and things, it's like Bogan Holden pulling record bucks and all this kind of stuff. I, I yeah, can't stand that one bit and that has been, I guess, a hand in the demise of Holden over time when you look at a lot of these um, high-end marketing graduates and things straight out of there not understanding the core market behind it and then, you know, taking over the reins of a brand like Holden and trying to tarnish it, you know, take the tarnish spin off it and polish it up and, you know, head it down that path to steer it away from, you know, the Bogan attachment behind the brand. That's absolutely one thing I hate but touching back on this that um, there's no doubt about it that, um, you know, I guess saying there are a few cars where that there's a pot of gold at the end of it. I, I agree with that. When we kind of separate all the bullshit with what's going on, and I guess the flow-on effect of what's happened now. Yeah, HSV GDS coupes and W1s and walking chores and VN Group A's and you know from the Ford side of things. Yeah, you know GTFs and things. Your key, your key cars that have got the lower build numbers, big horsepower behind them, all that factoring into it are going to be the ones to have. You know, the you know, your W427s and things that have actually had a specific um, part behind it with a banger engine, you know, whether that's a 7-litre, the um, LS9, the, um, you know, if you look at the C4Bs and the GDSs and things, they're the ones to have. I think the flow and effect of just your run-of-the-mill SS Commodores and things where there's, you know, 
thousands and thousands of them made compared to low build numbers, that's what's going to separate the bullshit at the end and they're going to be the ones going constantly over auction blocks and things because supply and demand. People who can afford them and stashing away, a lot of these times they get into butt hurt financially and you see large collections hitting auction auction you know over that five ten year period you'll suddenly see a massive collection come up that always creates that hype and spike behind the market that'll always continue to have um that drive behind prices but i i honestly do see a lot of the other run and mill cars will dwindle down in price yeah but just like anything else any other commodity it's it's everything speculative too right so yeah, you talk about you spoke about property earlier. You you know, a new area pops yep. up. Do you speculate and get a block of land there or a house? I mean, stocks, shares, penny stocks. I mean, everything everything in life is a gamble, and everything speculative. I mean, this this boom. I mean, it is crazy, yep. but at the same time, you think about it. Holden Ford, they're not being made anymore in Australia. You, you can't get a, 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 a yeah. Australian made Ford or Holden or HSV or FPV anymore. So. It comes down to that if they're nostalgic to you, and they'll be nostalgic to a lot of people. You got you got to remember that HSV has been around since the, what the early nineties, so mm-hmm. what, 20, 20, 30 years, and then same with FPV. Um, they've been a, a little bit. Yep. They came a bit, little bit later than that. But you know, Ford Holden essentially uh, nostalgic to a lot of Australians. That's a huge age, uh, you know, runoff. You got th- probably forty or fifty years of history that that, that, that hits a lot of generations. So. I don't see it really yeah, sl- slowing down. I think I think maybe the next generation, like our kids, probably not yeah. so as much. But then you've got the you've got the um, argument of that they, they will probably have gone up even more because you're at battery cars and chrome bumpers are probably going to be seen as, as as dinosaurs that shouldn't be on the road. Yeah, and look, I mean, we're already kind of seeing it around on pages and and things that you know everyone's just what's this worth, what's that worth, and and there's all that behind there, and people trying to stash away as much as they can, and and you did touch on the point that um, I guess it's that generational shift behind it, you know, that you've you know might have kids our age now, you know, if their old man had a um, VFSS from brand new, and that's what they remember, that's what they got the photos of sitting in the back of it, going to school, all those kind of memories, and then the old man moves on, ends up having a Kia Sportage or something, and moves through all that later on when they're older hey i want to have a vfss like my old man had let's go out and try and find the lowest k1 in a color or you know best condition that i can to have that memory again you know that that's how that's how that cycle works but it's just a matter of i think right now that um people are just asking crazy money and it's just i think throughout the scenes and a lot of the facebook groups and things i'm in it's killing the vibe right now there's a lot of people losing interest moving to different brands and things because they're just dead set over just a lot of these idiotic prices and things out there you know basically taking the piss um and i think that's what's kind of killing it a bit and that's why i think we'll see a bit of a correction around it i think the hype will still be the demand will still be there but i think from these prices that um Flooding car sales just with ridiculous prices on some of these cars, um, you know, SSs and things with higher Ks, you know, pushing seventy plus thousand dollars. You know, come on, it's just dead set taking the piss. Yeah, no doubt. Even even ELGTs, EBGTs from the Ford years, they've just they're almost hitting six figures now for some people asking price wise. And and I think the article hits it at the end. I mean, they basically say time will tell if the Bogan car market stays continues to stay strong. Will rising petrol prices and a move towards electric cars make these vehicles redundant or make them even more valuable? And basically said that you know if only we had a crystal ball. And that's what we've been talking about this whole time. But I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah. I think just like properties for people that. Um, 
you know, I'm looking to buy a property today and they say, oh, you know, I've got a million dollars, but the house I want is 1.2. I'm going to wait for the market to slow down a little bit. That house isn't going to go backwards. The $1.2 million house, when a market slows, it, if you're lucky, you might, you might, you might get it for one one five or something, right? But yeah. generally, when a market yeah. when a market slows, that means it'll just stay at around one two for three or four years. You ever rarely uh, with property, with muscle cars, with these kind of thing, these kind of transactions, you ever rarely see it go heavily backwards. Um, and that's what yeah. that's what I've told. Um, friends of mine that are collectors for certain cars like oh i love that car but i just couldn't pay that much i said well you know it's not going to go down um the only risk you have you don't buy today it'll either be the same when you want to buy it in five or ten years or it would have gone up a shitload and that's the same with a lot of properties so that's a decision people have to make but i think the aussie muscle car scene um i think it's going to trickle down to to what they say the bogan cars are because i mean at the end of the day you know some of those cars are going to be valuable in their own right just for parts all right yeah 100 percent. and look i mean that is a thing. I think that you have to just put a lot of things to the side. If it's the car you want and you arm and are about it, you know, just like property, that the, it's just all about the right one coming up that ticks all the boxes and it moves the price. I mean, I've I've been looking of late around the whole, you know, anywhere from Glen Waverley, Juan Turner, Knoxfield, in that whole kind of pocket around. And you know, I went to I went to school. In um went to school in Juan Turner and I just remember those areas of prices quite cheap, affordable and things. And now looking around now, I'm just scratching my head going, how the hell are some of these prices? And then seeing auctions happening with properties pulling two, three hundred thousand dollars over the range, it's mind boggling. But got you know, you really got no choice. You can sit back and go, hey, what happens in you know a year's time, five years time, and things. But we've kind of seen you know history speaks for itself. That's how it works, you know. Keeps moving and it's just about trying to get the right one at the right time. So, no different to cars. Yeah, and the, these days you ha- you ever rarely hear the story of, oh, I was patient and I got a huge I got a huge discount on what they were asking because I waited five years. You don't, you just don't. Back in the day, maybe a little bit, you could hear those stories. Yeah. But these days with the rate of inflation, um, you know, with interest rates at basically zero for the most part or, you know, not much at all um, if you've got the right, the right kind of fund. But, I mean, it's, it's not sustainable um, as far as people drawing interest. So, it will be interesting to see if rates start go- climbing, which I don't, I don't think they will for nah. years. If, if some, some of these people that are holding them in, in super funds or or have you know drawn some finance on on a property to, to buy some of these cars if they if they move them on but i just don't see the rates going up not with co- not with covid and everything going on no i don't mean yeah it's all, always about watching the three-year fixed rates and you know they're, they're still stable and and that's so yeah it's um yeah definitely not going to happen it's just yeah it's um a matter of, of just seeing where cash is going to be splashed and really what happens once um you know, once the borders not open up again and see where people are going to be directing directing their funds. That's going to be the um, question that I'm really putting on things. Yeah. And then you you have an interesting story with all this, with the, with the VS Club Sport that you got inboxed. Yeah. So, um, that's in, doing wrong. Big fans of the inboxes coming through. But uh, th- this kind of tells a story around the scene right now. So, had an inbox coming in. Um, this guy's got a silver mink VS Club Sport. He asked me what it's worth, 109,000K on the clock, said it's a really, really good car. I was just like, look, without really seeing it, you know, knowing what's really changed your hands around, I said thirty to 35,000. And he then goes, oh, but did you see the VS GDS that's on um, car sales with 7,000Ks on the clock for 150,000? And I'm like, yeah, of course I did. You know, it's nice one, Panthamica. And he goes, oh, I kind of thought because that car's 150,000, that Probably puts my club beat around about one hundred and ten thousand. 
So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. Not not with not with the clubby. <laughs> Let that sink in. In just in general, mean that going. Yeah, you can go. Okay, so I understand the mentality behind it. But this is exactly. I'm going to say straight out. This is exactly what's fucking killing the scene right now. Is because. You're getting these guys with these cars, and I understand you can be a bit of an enthusiast behind, but it's about getting in and understanding, absorbing what cars what, what's the point of difference, everything that's happening. Because, folks, you've got a VR GDS. You could put that up on car sales for three million. Does that mean suddenly that, um, you know, a VR clubby is going to be worth oh, 2.7, 2.5? Yeah. No. Yeah, of course. Asking and getting. This is what people have to understand. It's about, Knowing the market, getting involved, and going, what are these cars changing hands for? You know, and I see it all the time with like the coupe market and everything. You know, it's probably one of the number one things in the HSV and HCT enthusiast group is just the questions around coupes. You know, say, oh, okay, so there's a a GDS coupe listing 140,000. Does that mean my GDO is now worth 110,000? What's this worth? What's that worth? You know, that you get a people getting absorbed in all this all the time but it's about what fucking changes hands and that's why watch the auctions get amongst things find out ask questions who's buying what for what don't just automatically assume because some guy's listed his car that yours has just gone oh, okay so it's now worth this of course right and that is the one thing that has that just completely does my head in all the time yeah and it, it seems like most of the good cars are changing behind Changing hands behind closed doors, um, they're not advertised generally, um, and it seems like a yep. lot of the stuff that's on car sales and, and online, um, the good stuff gets snapped up within a day, and the rest just sits there. And that's kind of what what you're seeing with a lot of these cars. I mean, there's a lot of these dealers that, that are putting massive prices on on cars. There was a GTSR listed out of Perth the other day that you should, that you flicked over 650k. They're asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the one at um, yeah, the W one that just got um listed at Richmond's in in Adelaide. So oh, Adelaide, yeah, six hundred fifty yep. grand. Yeah, six hundred fifty grand. They want for that. Yeah, and that's they they're they're doing the same thing. I mean, they're not in it for the collector's gain. They're in it to make money. So oh, exactly. And yeah, and W ones are changing hands. Um, I actually know three of them that have gone in from anywhere from high threes to um high threes to probably well. The most I know that's been snapped up of late was 420. And you kind of look at it, that. I mean, that was a brand new, that was a um, brand new red one, 420,000, you know, like all the plastics and things still on it, not driven, 420K. And then that's Richmond's just saying, oh, they've got one there. Yes, it's a Regal Peacock, rare color, but not everyone likes that color either. But they're saying, oh, but it's brand new. They want 650. So come on. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that leads us on to cars as, as investments. Um, look, I mean, I'm highly, I'm highly skeptical for about hearing people draw finance on kind of something that's so speculative. Um, I, I don't even like drawing finance to, to buy stocks or shares, even properties as an investment sometimes. Yep. You've got to be very, very careful and you want to have, a, you obviously want to have, you're going to have at least a year's buffer for that, for that um, finance, I'd, I'd say. Mm-hmm. If, so, what I mean by that yep. is if you can't, if you can't um, pay the finance for 12 months because you're not getting any income from the property, do you have cash that can sustain that? And I, I, you know, most people say six to 12 months, I go 12 months and a bit more aggressive, but I mean, that's what we're yep. seeing with, with cars as investments um, and that's what's driving this all. Up because people people that don't know these cars that read that article bogan bogan cars are going up blah 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 they might they might start you know dabbling a little bit and they they might get burnt but I don't think people that know the market will really get burnt um, but it, like you said it's just gonna it's just gonna skyrocket prices yeah. for all of us and just make make transactions much harder exactly exactly and and that's and that's the thing I mean 
heaps and heaps of inboxes I'm getting all the time just asking this kind of question, you know, what's the best car to go out and buy as an investment, you know. So it kills me in the sense, and I have touched on it before, that it is absolutely vital that any car you buy, you have to put the investment to the side and go, am I going to like this car? Am I going to enjoy the car? Is this something I've always wanted? Because the thing is, if the car goes up in value, give yourself a pat on the back. You've done well. If you've done your research, negotiated properly, understand build numbers, you know, things that can go wrong with the car because that's the thing you can get. You can go, oh, fucking great. Finally got myself a VX GDS and then you realize, well, hey, the rotors are a fair bit to replace and everything because, hey, the car hasn't really been looked after. You think you've swindled yourself a great deal, but then you've just got an arm's length of stuff where you're spending on this car, just getting it backed into operating order. Then by the time you sell the car, you've actually ripped into your whole profit margin. So that's where you've got to be smart about it. But getting to the point, any car you buy, make sure you've always wanted one, always just you're thinking, yep, that's great. I can live with this car because it's a thing. Sometimes they aren't quick flips. If you're going to be stuck with a car, is that something you want sitting in your garage? And I've even had pure HSV guys that have bagged the fuck out of me for owning FPVs are actually saying to me now going, hey, Juzzy, what are some good FPVs I can go out and buy as an investment because um, you're saying they're the next things to go up in value. Think about that. So that's the thing. You have to enjoy it. That's number one though. Like, Yeah, you can get left holding the baby real fast. Ma- mainly for, you know, if you're if you're a listener or someone out there that, that wants to dabble and be speculative a little bit and you're just an everyday Joe with a little bit of cash on the side, I wouldn't purchase a muscle car as an investment. I'd purchase one to, number one, to be fun to drive and something that you've dreamed of. The people that make money from an investment point of view are people that are cash heavy already. So they've got 500K, a million dollars sitting in a bank. They see a cheap car show up and they go, okay, I'm going to buy that in cash tomorrow. I'm going to get it. I'm going to park it, clean it up and then flip it in a month. And they can afford to they can afford to store it for 10 years yeah. if they need to. The people that are going to get burnt are the FOMO people that are like, everyone else is buying a, a GTS RW1 or HSV or FPV GT and they're going up and I should buy one and park it. That's all great. You got to buy it. You got to insure it. You got to park it. You got to store it. You got to put security in your house, in your garage. You, you and your wife have to stress it. No one's going to pinch it when you go on holidays or no one's going to break yeah. into your house and steal it. So, there's a, a lot more that goes into it and, and they're the people, unfortunately, that generally cop the rough end of the stick because yep. the people that are cash heavy are doing 15, 20, 30 of these transactions a year. They're just, they're just flipping cars, they're driving for a bit and they're flipping them and they're flipping them and they're people that know the market very, very well but it's, it's generally that FOMO effect of like that guy made 10K from just flipping that car in a month. I can do yeah. that and like you said, yeah. if you if you end up then stuck with a car that you can't, you can't get rid of quickly now, the market kind of slows down and you don't like the car and it's just sitting in your garage, you know, human nature says you're eventually just going to get rid of it to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And I've, I have seen that happen a lot of time. I've known guys that have owned two, three cars and things and they get to the point, they actually start settling down, starting a family, then they're moving out. They don't have the space to store these cars anymore and then they're just going to move them quick. You know, so it does happen. But touching on the investment side as well, I mean, um, yeah, remember Bogues, you sent me a few weeks ago, there's actually a proper company setting up whereas you could actually invest in a fund that goes out and buys muscle cars, you know, so or muscle cars and just high-end collectible cars. So like you're just saying, there are guys out there, it's their job day in, day out. And um, just like Adrian Portelli we had on from LMCT Plus in the last episode, actually wrote a software that actually skims all the sites and things to find the cars with the most, with the most margins in them. So just remember these, these are the type of guys who you're up against when – They've cornered it and understanding what investments are. 
cash is king. You know, I've caught phone calls before of just, hey, I'm thinking about selling this and there's three, four cars. I'll actually be on the type of guy that'll go in and say, how much for the lot? Because I know if I go in hard and I can negotiate and just buy the lot of them, it puts you in a better position because, once again, cash is king. But if you're just on Facebook Marketplace, things haven't done your research, and then you're just going and thinking you're going out and getting a great deal, that's where you'll get burnt. So just be really, really careful. Yeah, and that that other that fun you were talking about, I give them a plug. It's called Chrome Temple. They're basically their their motto and their you know their, their hypnosis of of what they're doing. They're saying it's an into- alternative investment class has low volatility, vehicle investment, low market correlation, yeah. and generated 194% returns over the last 10 years. So I guess you can, what they mean by fund is we can get 100 of our mates to put into a fund and they, they basically buy cars like they buy stocks and then you get a dividend or a, or a return at the end of the day. So it's still speculative, but that's where it's going now. And that, that'll be probably aimed much yep. t- much more towards the higher end of your rare Ferraris and, and, and Porsches and, and whatnot. But um, it's, yeah. it's a way for people to be involved and and like you said, you can make money, but I mean, the, the other flip side is, like you said, buying buying a collector car under finance. I mean, I kind of yeah, I, I would steer away from that if you don't have the cash where you can sustain keeping the holding value of the car, um, maintaining it, and doing all those things. Then, then I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it because, like you said, the wife's going to wake up one day, you're going to have a couple of kids, you're going to need room in the garage. It's going to be like get rid of that shit the next month. I don't want it here, and that's what that's what you'll see a lot in the next couple of years. And it'll be you know there will be eventually a, a year or two where we have a fire sale of cars. But as far as them dropping. And yep. plummeting. I, I don't think we see that for a while. Not the not the low numbered cars anyway. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, and just getting getting into the point of um, because I, I actually did get a specific question about um, buying a car under under finance. You know, these kind of muscle cars and um, getting told rates anywhere between you know one guy was saying eleven, twelve percent things, and they're all person loans and stuff for it. And I've literally sold cars in the past, whereas um, being an older car. Because that's the thing, a lot of car finance companies out there, they'll only do up to about five years old for the for the car. Anything past that, rates just start climbing because it's all about a lot of these um, a lot of these companies who have these kind of floor plans. You get to things like Volkswagen Finance, Nissan Finance, things. They're protective of their own brand, so it's not like you can you know if you drive past the Volkswagen dealership, you see finance at two point nine nine percent. That doesn't mean if you're going to go out and buy VS Club Sport, you're going to be getting two point nine nine percent. So. Keep that in mind, higher rates. And like I said before, I've had guys come in who have got personal loans and actually got, went and got a credit card on top to go and buy these kind of cars. It's just dead set silly. But um, putting into perspective about things, it's not just a rate either. A lot of time there's application fees, everything else is a, that's associated with it. And some of these places are charging 900000 bucks. Then there's early termination fees as well. So if you get over this car, so it's riddled with problems. You want to go get rid of it, then there's an encumbrance on it. You're going to go paying this out, and then you've terminated your five or seven year loan, whatever you've got early. You can also be up for money as well. So just really think about when it all gets um, chewed up in the end, all that profit's gone. So really, risk versus reward. Is it worth it? No. Yeah, not as a not. There's there's better investments out there. Like like I said, unless you yeah. unless it's a car that's your dream car and you're actually going to drive it and have fun with it, I can then understand yeah. getting it on finance. And look, if you break even at the end, it's a fucking win. But I mean, if you yeah. if you're just buying a car on finance to park it because of FOMO and you, and you, you got to do it because your mates are doing it or because you've seen a guy on the internet do it, once again, you'll get left holding the bag. And then yeah. you know you're gonna have a bit of taste in your mouth about muscle cars and whatnot, and you'll probably never get another one for for a number of years. 
Exactly. But a couple of key tips I can give if you do go out and do it. Just always remember there are finance companies that do finance private sale cars. So don't just think if you want a VF club sport or something like that, that you have to go down and see Dutton's or a place like that and pay high-end prices at a dealership just because you need to get finance on it. So do your research. There are places out there that do finance privately. The other thing to put into it, all I say is whatever the price of the car is, work out the interest component, three years of interest added on to the price of the car. Right, so let's just say it's an LSA clubby or something you're after. You've crunched it for ninety thousand. Let's just say the interest over that is interest and fees is say four thousand. So ninety four thousand. Look at the rest of the cars advertised. Okay, if you get it under that, under that amount, that's where you can start being a little bit safe around that. So you know, I still think clubbies at those prices. I still cringe about them, but just in general, from just being out there when Bogus and I were talking about this. If you factor those kind of things in, the last thing you want to do is pay top dollar, then you're paying your interest on top. That's where you really, really get hurt. So just be smart about it. We then, we then factor that into, we've done a little bit of research in this space and kind of known about it for a while. I've, I've actually thought about doing some similar stuff, but the car storage market has been flooded, yeah. is, 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 has flooded the market now. So what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of facilities set up. So someone will buy a warehouse, they'll deck it out with car lifts. And if you've got a muscle car that you don't have room for, you don't want it stored at home for security reasons, they store the car for you. These were very rare. Um, about 15, 20 years ago, the only one on, on at least in the southeast suburbs where we grew up was down in Morty Alec, uh, Muscle Car Stables. That was really the only one that actually did it and they would they would do all kinds of shit. They would um, start- Oh, the- yeah, the Muscle Car Storage and yeah, thing and now you've got- um, Stables, yeah. You know, shout out to Craig um, Craig Finn and then we've started the Valet Car Storage um, down in Moorabbin as well. So that, and that's the thing, we're seeing competitive prices coming up now and um, those kind of storage facilities, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of them to the point that, you know, sometimes go down, there's like-minded guys sitting around there I know a few guys personally who have used these kind of facilities to hide cars um, from their wives. You know, they're um, working in the industry where they can go do caches and things on weekends and they'll splash them, go buy all that and don't want to get, you know, scolded for buying a few muscle cars and things. So in- interesting businesses. And, um, yeah, I know Bogus mentioned it plenty of times. You're a big fan of them. So. Yeah, no, just just wanted to state that they're, they're, they're popping up more and more now. I mean, there's, there's a few that yeah. you can get um, for, for under a couple of, I think it's 111 was one of the cheaper ones that I found a month to store a car. Now, they have add-ons that you can get. Um, the, the original was muscle car stables in in, in, in uh, Morty Alec, and what, what they would do is now that everyone else is copping it is they can start the car for you. Uh, that's an extra service. Battery battery tenders are an extra service, extra fee. They can drive it around, around the block. They can drive it on a dyno. They can do servicing they can do detailing so there's all these packages you can get where they can make more money but the be on and all is I mean a couple of hundred dollars a month is pretty cheap to store a car in a secure facility and, and it's getting cheaper and cheaper now so you can find them almost for under a hundred dollars a month sometimes when they're running specials if you go out and get your own storage facility or container you're paying way more than that and then you're still worried about it's basically just one little gate and a little little garage door someone flicks up and they've pinched your car whereas these facilities are pretty secure so you know they, they do do all those kind of extras so for people that um, you know that want to have that extra 
extra security, it's worth it. And, and it reminds me of an article that you sent me talking about guys hiding cars. There was a funny article. It's, um, it was in the paper uh, a little while ago. I'm not sure what paper it was in. Just got the screenshot. But um, her impulsive husband buys and hides vehicles. So, I guess this is a dear Amy must be some sort of health practitioner. My husband is a compulsive yeah. spender. He buys vehicles and will hide them and never drive them. For many years, he has blamed bipolar disorder as a cause of his behavior. I understand that bi- <laughs> bipolar disorder can lead to impulsive spending and then it goes on and on and on and on. And at the end, she basically says, does, does bipolar disorder cause the spending and the lies? I'd love to know. Um, I think we can both answer that, but it's it's a pretty ballsy move, yeah. move on his part because um, we've all been there. Oh, 100%. And um, look, I mean, I honestly believe these car storage places, there's going to be more popping up and just going to get more and more competitive. And the only reason I really say that is because how many houses now do you really find in that are really above 550 square metre blocks and things? So, who, who can be building, you know, four-car garages or drive through with the existing sheds and things out the back? So, land's getting scarce, getting smaller and smaller. You know, we'll see it in 10-odd years' time, 400 square metre blocks going to be a big block. So, you know, especially now if you want your, you know, your missus in a nice car and you've got a nice daily driver and your weekender, well, then... um what's really going to be happening. So, I mean, yeah, don't think we're really going to be seeing, you know, wanting our nice dallies and that left outside in the rain and hail and everything these days. So, where do you go keep your muscle cars and things? And then as well, other guys with jet skis and other toys and things like that, where have they got to store them as well? So, that's where these storage facilities, they, um, gee, I think we will see a massive wave rolling through. Yeah, we're gonna, I think we all need to get find our local councillors and give them a few slaps for allowing half these townhouses to go up with, with no garages at times and one garage and then you yeah. you can barely drive up, up some of these streets, um, but that's a story for another day. Oh. But with the – the only thing I would say with these storage facilities, I, I scratch my head because I've done the math on what it, what it costs to just to – you know, keep my my facility running where my cars are stored with with you know utilities and having someone go and start them and all that kind of shit. And even if you have you know twenty cars at a hundred dollars a month, I mean, I don't know, I don't understand how they're making money some of these blokes because just to open the doors with this is without any employees, you're not covering that, right? So I have a, I have a feeling that some of these, and I know some of these people do this. They 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 use it as a you know obviously they can they can write it off on their business, but then they use it to to source nice cars, and it's actually a, not a bad strategy because they'll get some people. That have some nice cars sitting there and then they can kind of lean on those people. Oh, you're not driving it much. I've got to buy it for you, blah, blah, blah. So, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me that, that some of these car storage places, um, they'd be the same people that would um, transact some buyers and sells as well. Yeah, and that's yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you've got that component of it and then um, also as well, like you're saying, a lot of the add-on services. So I think that um, maybe that's, that's where it all is. It's the full maintenance packages and things about – like anything these days, you get in the door and then um, they got your business and then the add-on start and you Upcharge. start thinking, hey, well, may as well. Yeah. That's where it's all going. Well, we'll go on to agree to disagree. You've said um, we should clear the inbox because there'll be some hate mail, but we're, oh, yeah. we're going to hit some, um, we're going to hit sticker pack cars, parts bin cars. So, I mean, watch out the means why that yeah. is a, a manufacturer or a, might have a special edition car coming out or a runoff and then have all these leftover parts a la, yep. you know, GTSR back in the day. Yeah, we normally say at the end of a series. So, how do we clear the existing stock and make things special? Let's get a fucking car, grab some old series wheels, paint a different color, whack some stickers on it, some funky badges of a race car driver or something. 
jack up the price, 10 grand, and um, let everyone run in and say, hey, let's secure this one of 200 build or something. So seen it plenty of times. There are some cringeworthy ones out there that I see listed for stupid, stupid money. And I'll call them out like VZ, HRT, and Toll Edition ones, 50 of them made, nothing special in my eyes. So it's just, like I said, that is a pure sticker pack car. Nothing really special about them, but you're seeing people now, you know, they're asking 30, 40 grand higher than other VZ clubbies and things because of that. So it's always one of those cringeworthy things. And there have been some cool ones along, along the line. So, um, guess like the SV6000, Bogues, you know, I'm a fan of that. I like them. Um, but let's be honest, it's a devil yellow car with a reflective sticker on the side, some VYGDS <laughs> wheels painted in yellow spirit and let's whack a PDA, PDA in it some six pot brakes but let's not increase the power and make this rare because there's only 50 of them so yeah they're the kind of things out there what what i kind of see and it's questions come up all the time and made a bit of a list of them to run through as to where we really call these um some we like and some we don't like but what are your thoughts on these sticker pack parts being cars oh some of them have, i mean you technically the the, the vsgts are technically a sticker pack like you know, if, if you really think about it, it was leftover parts and it was leftover, you know, yellow taxis. <laughs> so they've, yeah. They've, they've, and that's one of the most sought after HSVs now. So sometimes it works yeah. well. Sometimes it works well because I guess because it just cops so much shit and it was just like it was in your face with the wing. It worked out for him. But there are so many that are, especially the the red line series stuff, you know, there's, there's just- there's Yeah, just, the Craig, Craig, Lowndes, Craig Lowndes VF. Yeah, there's just there's just a lot, and you know you got to give it to car dealers. Oh, sorry, the car makers. They'll, they'll they'll figure out unique ways to get people's blood pumping and get yeah. the purists to, to purchase. And some oh, are exactly. good, some are bad. Um, but it's more you know. I'll tell you who's fucking done it well is FPV. With if you look at it, well, if you go back to the XC Cobra, you know, four hundred of those made, and they were, you know, that was done well from marketing tool back then to move these cars and you look at them now and that stemmed on to the hype behind when um, FPV did it with the BF. You know, they did the same thing, 400 of them, you know, had a, you know, if you're going to look at it, nothing really special, but, man, commanded big money and the 40th anniversary GT did the same thing and they made 200 of them. It was fucking black with some gold stripes and look at the money they pulled over the standard one. So it's just absolutely freaking mind-boggling that um some of the hype that these ones get i had the bf cobra as you know real low kilometer example probably should have hung on to it but it just it was so boring to drive and it was just oh yeah i didn't mind the look of them and that's why i got them because I, I i liked the sticker pack they put on it so they, they sold me on it um and they got me and yeah. I, I didn't mind it i, I got it, ended up getting that funny story about that car i ended up uh, i was looking for one for a while and um i found one and i think it had nine thousand k's on it or seven thousand k's on it and out of all places it was at a at a ferrari dealership uh, like a high-end ferrari lamborghini mm. dealership so i was thinking man yeah. what the hell are they doing with this car so someone's obviously bought it and traded it in for a ferrari or whatever right so i was like there's no yeah. way they want this car on their lot so i just called like once a month for about two or three months and just kept lowballing 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 knowing that they just want to move the car and eventually they're just like oh mate, mate just take it yep you can have it you can have it and i ended up getting it yeah. for pennies on the dollar but yeah just such a boring car and it, it looked all right but there was nothing different about it from a, from a, you know from basically a regular regular gt yeah, and that's and that's what annoys me sometimes when things like that do roll around again where there is that opportunity to create a lot of hype behind it and it's just yeah, it's no major increase in power and things and 
you know, that, I, I think that's what kind of kills it. And it's the SV, SV6000 one that fucking kills it for me in a way because that was a prime opportunity at the time. You know, people called that the VZGDS of its day and it was annoying that they just left that as 297 kilowatts. They should have increased that since the V was about to come out with um, 307. That should have been probably the first of the 307s, in my opinion, just to give that car a bit more edge. Yeah. What else you got? Moving on to probably my number one hated one out of the lot of these sticker packs and things that came out was that track edition club sport thing that they made for the VF range, which is like the last of the LS3. You had the GDS wheels on it and some bits and pieces that they called it, as, and it was actually sold about being the last NA kind of car of its time when you could have went and, you know, paid smidgens more and got yourself into an LSA GDS at the time. But that actually, that killed me as one. I just, yeah, that was a all-time kind of hated one. But, um, yeah, so some another interesting one. I mean, you kind of look at it that even, you know, BMW itself does it. Like they've got that 30 years of M3 that they um, bought out there. So that was $9,715 extra. And 500 of these made, 30 of them came into Australia. You see that there, that was only a different colour and still had the M3 comp stuff to it, the M3 comp wheels, but it was just different colour and different trim. And you're paying $9,715 over more and we've seen that throughout. And let's be honest, these um, a lot of manufacturers love the race car drivers. We touched on the Craig Lowndes, that was 5500 over. 233 of those were made and you see those now listed some people asking 20 grand over a standard um ssv redline and yeah renault did it with the red bull Megans and things and yeah it's literally a freaking car with a couple of stickers on it so it's yeah mind-boggling but i guess it's um marketing tool that seems to work so yeah and there are there are a few future classics that you've outlined as well yeah yeah um look I guess when we touched on last time about um, you know cars to buy over fifty thousand under and everything, that um, I was actually chatting to Scott Newman, famous uh, driver for Motor Magazine. He'd like me saying that, but really is a guy that just knows how to steer a car quite well. Won't get into further detail on him, but uh, yeah, we started going in a conversation just after some inboxes rolling of going, you know, what what are some future classics? But let's put aside the FPVs and HSVs and things we, we typically, you know, we, we touch on all the time. So my first pick was a Focus RS. Um, I specifically like the 2016 Plus. Love them in that nitrous blue. And I just think with the whole Ken Block fame behind, if we kind of see Ken Block moving away from Ford now, um, I think he's now driving a Skoda or something, but his contract's ended there. And I think he really made that Focus RS quite quite famous. I just reckon if we kind of look at that generational shift of people watching a lot of, um, you know, the Ken Block videos and really idolizing him of its day, I think that'll just be a, a good talking point car for in, low, in later years and especially having something like that nitrous blue, which is a really, really nice, vibrant blue. Got the whole rally feel behind it. Amazing car to drive. I think they will be something cool to have. And if you do yourself a favor, if you haven't really looked at those, just Google image, you know, 2016 Nitrous Blue Focus RS and just really vision that and go, hey, in if you got yourself a low-K clean example, you can still get them from around 45 gram. Imagine having that in your garage in 15, 20 years' time. I think that'll be a, uh, a cool car there. Solid for sure. Yeah, so probably not your cup of tea, 
folks, but um, I, I think it's a cool thing. Other one we went on was the Volks, Volkswagen Golf GDI 40 years. So only 500 of these came into Australia. Still about 35 grand, you could pick up a manual one. Um, but really think about the normal Volkswagen Golf GDI performance, 169 kilowatts. These 40 years ones, 195 kilowatts with an overboost to 213. So, yep, P plate legal car. Well, I haven't done my research on that, but you can drive a GDI. So if you really think about these younger guys, they are buzzing around in these kind of, see them all the time. I live in Glen Waverley nonstop. It's the go-to car for the P-platers around. Are you golf GDIs? So I just think that that'll be a bit of a cult car for later on. So if we really think about it, we are touching on before, about um, in your later years when you start buying these cars again that you ha- first had when you were young, I think that's um that's one there, and especially if we start talking about power increases and lower build numbers. Another one, Scott Newman actually came across this one. I hadn't done too much research on it, but this is a fucking cool thing, which is a BMW M140i Performance Edition. So only 60 of these made, and they were an Australian-only car, so this pack for it. But with the manual ones, only 15 manual ones were made, and they actually come with an LSD. So... You got to think small hot hatch rear wheel drive manual twin turbo. I think it's the B58 actually would be the um, M140i. Um, yeah, only one of those on car sales for 63 grand. And these are actually similarly priced to um, the other M140i's. So haven't driven one of those, go drive one. Damn fun, lightweight twin turbo six rear wheel drive manual damn cool car and I reckon that'd be a bit of a cool cult car later on because they're actually already really, really popular over in the UK and things. Yeah, they, fun little cruiser, right? Yeah, they love those M140Is because of the whole rear-wheel drive hot hatch thing. Yeah, so, it can definitely cool have thing. some fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that some for yeah for our listeners to look out for. Some might own some already, but we get to um, the car scene. I mean, I think we're getting old, but it, look, is it enjoyable anymore? Um, or are we just turning into, into old men? Yeah, it got me thinking about this. Just, just fucking trying to get mates at the moment. I mean, that's the thing. We're all getting older. We're kids now. We're getting swamped with weekend activities and everything. But um, just trying to get mates and things to go down to car to car events and everything. Or just just joining car clubs in in general. I mean, I just know that some of the larger car clubs have dwindling members because I guess you're getting these, um, you know, a lot of these Facebook groups that are popping up and things. But even these guys, you know, they're all. You know, I, I don't know if some is because the scenes I'm in with a lot of the HSV stuff and things that people don't want to take their cars out because they're getting rarer or something. I'm not sure what it is, but kind of thought I'd break it down to pros and cons around car clubs. And I kind of thought over my years, what have I liked? Meeting people, solid contacts, you know, bogues like yourself, other really, really close mates I've met through cars. And then also as well that also it's also a good thing if we talk about the whole buying and selling things. A lot of times in these car clubs, like we're saying, cars changing hands that aren't on car sales and things happen throughout these these clubs. And also as well, meeting good contacts, you know, for reproducing parts or decent mechanics, tuners, whatever you need, can find it um, throughout these kind of clubs. So that's a good thing. And then probably these days, club reg is probably the number one thing. You want a reason to join a club and to get involved. But um, if we look at, the negative side of it, and bogus are touching all the time. Car meets. You go out, what happens? Associated hoons and things. You know, you've got a sp- specific car club event, you know, text messages or uh, um, Facebook messages or group chats, things happen. They tell other people, you then head along to these type of things. The tack on hoons and things, if it's not organized properly, 
that happens. You got risk of defects if you're in um, East Link car park or something like that. Cops roll through. They see 20, 30 cars here. Don't understand. It's an organized meet. Mate, they don't care. Roll through. Can happen. Defect all the cars. One thing that for your pure enthusiasts is a lot of the car shows that get organized. Poorly judged. So sometimes I have these, you know, guest judges and things, or sometimes as well, they're just trying to organize it, gets rushed, and these guys put their blood, sweat, and tears into, you know, I've done it myself, sometimes two, three weeks, spend on a car to get it ready to take it down to these shows, and then they go and give a trophy or something to a mate in that club or something like that that happens, and you see that um, people lose interest in the club. Oh, not only that, I've seen seen people want to brawl the judges, like, um, because, you know, some guys are very passionate about their cars, sometimes they're judging, they're human beings at the end of the day, they might like a bloke better, and it's a close call, and they go with the guy they like more, or whatever it is, right? So, I've seen, you know, it's always a hard job to judge those cars, because a a judge might be partial towards a a certain build, might not be a custom guy, whatever, but I've seen it with with the high-end, like the Boss 429 stuff, um, with some of the the people that restore back to factory, even with the the, the chalk markings um, are judged, right? So, when the car comes down the line, they used to chalk the engine bay, yep, and they used to write an okay sign on the radiator, blah, 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 blah. They judge upon that as well. So, you know, it can go Mm. down to losing a point for using the wrong wing nut or the wrong bolt or the wrong screw or whatever, whatever it is. So, I mean, people take that shit really really seriously yeah and it takes it takes the fun it takes the fun out of going to a car show sometimes because it's so intense oh it does i mean i've i've had that before i mean um yeah took the w427 down to down to a show and yeah low-key example very very clean car was all you know professionally corrected and everything like that all before the show gone down thinking i'll win my class for that and get beaten by a VER8 because the judge was friends with someone and things. And, you know, that gets me disheartened because, you know, a rare car and, you know, ego to the side with it, but you think that you're doing justice for a show to go and take a car like that down when people, you know, let's be honest, how many times you drive around and you see a W427. So if you look at it like that, that's where these kind of things happen and even – Another one I had was I used to have a VX GDS, top mount charger on it, was in Street Commodores magazine, which is a popular magazine back in the day. I actually took that to a car show and in the modified class for um, best VT VX and I actually got beaten by the vice president of the club who had a painted engine cover on a VX R8 and a um, HRT stuffed holding line toy sitting on there and beat me for my car that was in magazines and absolutely flawless. So, yeah, these things happen. And the other big thing is not organising it properly, not roping things off when all that happens. Then people go and touch your car. I've had people sitting cars and check, pull the dipstick out, do bits and pieces and not have that respect because the show hasn't been organised properly. And a lot of that happens is because one of the biggest politics behind car clubs is they're in it for the money. (laughs) Like anything else, yeah. Yeah. Biggest things that come up, they if are they organising a car show because of passion behind it, or are they organising the car show because the entry fees for the show, um, you know, the price to enter your car, the entry for people who are attending, the um, food trucks and things they have in there, they're taking the lick off them turning up. 
they're using it as a bit of a cash cow, so they're trying to skim things as much as they're possible to try and control it. Other thing is apparel and all those other parts that come along with it. So you're paying a yearly fee for the club. They're not spreading that amongst improving the club, putting on good events and everything like that. Yeah, that's where a lot of this comes in and people go, fuck you, don't want to be part of that club, and it's not set up with proper committees and things. So, um, yeah. Few pros and cons all behind it, but um, seen it all over the years, and you have as well, Bogues. But um, that's where the enjoy enjoyment of the car scene kind of dwindles down. So that happens coincide with people just looking at for profit margin things takes the fun out of it. That's why I'm more of a fan these days to get close mates and that together and go for a nice drive out to Hillsville or whatever you want to go and get out and enjoy the cars for what they are. So yeah. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday Arvo coffee run or something like that's probably the way to go for me. I mean, I, I, I've been to those car shows. I've, I've ever really take my own car or if I do, I don't even put it in the show. I mean, the last time I went to the East Link, we, I took, took the XT out and um, just parked it around the corner and just went for a walk around to see the cars because yeah. um, I just don't want to deal with you know people. You, know, you, you get a lot of people that know it all and all that kind of stuff, which is fair enough. They're passionate about it, but you're just like, oh, I just, I just want to yeah. go see some nice cars and, and that's it and steal, maybe steal some ideas or steal some colors that I like and, and then get go home. Oh, it's exactly right. And I think with joining any um, – I think with joining any – any car club, you know. So I'm still a big fan of like the HSV Owners Club and things that you know where it where it's purely about the brand and you know they're passionate and things. And don't get me wrong, I mean that been involved with that club for years. A lot of politics of a lot of the older members versus young and emerging members. A lot of that comes up, and you go to committee meetings and people get vocal and things about it. They're passionate, but at least that way there is committees and things. So when you look at any club, what's associated with this? What benefits are there as well? Because sometimes, like Shannon's and things, if you're actually a member of a car club, you'll get a discount. Some have got CAMS licenses. I mean, think HSV Club's got an event on at Sandown um, this weekend. So things like that happen. So really look at it. But even as well, attend some of these. If there are membership fees, turn up to an event if there's something on, see what it's like, get the feel first before you go sign up and do anything like that. So, um, yeah, a bit of advice around those. But um is what it is with it. It's politics like basketball clubs or anything. Really. Yeah, it, so is, it all is. happens. I mean, that's that's life. I mean, uh, my, my whole thing with any kind of club, whatever passion it is, doesn't have to be a car club, is I, I keep an arm's distance. I kind of high by everyone, yep. say hello. I think where you get in trouble, yep. if you get, you know, there's people that are very involved. And look, you need those people to keep the, the club functioning, to get fundraising, to do all, all the things important. But that's when that shit yeah. starts, when it gets overly friendly and, you know, this guy and then, then, then the conversations get deeper. And that's when, when trouble usually starts, in my opinion, with, with the these kind of hobby clubs, I, I kind of like going every now and then. I don't tell people when I'm going. I just rock up and say hello, say bye, and then keep it kind of respectful. But um, I don't like getting too involved for that very reason because I've seen it too many times where you get to know each yeah. other too well and then and then human nature is normal, right? People start, you know, maybe nitpicking each other or, man, oh, he's got too much money. He's bought three different HSVs in three oh, weeks, you know, all exactly. that kind of shit. So. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's better just to, to, to be a member of it and maybe more of an observer to enjoy it and chat about it more than actually getting yeah. um, down and dirty. But we move on to um, some racetrack news. So, you know, it's no secret that we've oh, been- Oh, there's a lot of this news around at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, so. there's no, no secret that we're, you know, we're trying to knock on the government's door to, 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 you know, be a little bit more proactive with road safety and trying to get, you know, some of these drop kicks off the road that are doing stupid stuff and, and we don't advocate it at all, but at the same time- 
you know, that there's not a lot of places that allow it where they can do it in a controlled environment. So, Calder Raceway, yeah. uh, it's a petition, petition of 2,000 odd people, not a lot, but it, it got some media attention, which is good. And they're, they're trying to, you know, get that get that place up and firing again. Um, there was rumors that they would slowly develop it into housing a number of years ago, but it's essentially just been left idle. Um, it's just sitting there. Yeah, because wasn't it something, I think, when Bob Jane passed away, the son or something, wanted to just get it and sell it. There was heaps of rumours swirling around and it's been loads of talk about it. But, um, yeah, it's pretty much hanging on. It's all we've really got. I mean, um, there's other things around about um, Sandown getting developed, so it's kind of sad it's all we've got left. So this is, um, yeah, when the time's there, it's, it's good that a petition's starting and people got to get behind to save this because this track, when did it start? I think it was 1987 or something. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it would, it would have been late eighties, and one of the first. Yeah, one of the first uh, the track outside of North America, North America to host a NASCAR. Yeah, event. for the NASCARs. Yeah. yeah. So look. Yeah, I, I actually went. Yeah, I, I went to that. Um. Yeah, I went with the old man, and along to that, that was a big thing back there. It had like Wayne Gardner and things all down, and that was a massive big thing. So it was. Yeah, it's um shame it's dwindled down to to where it is to this point. It's actually really sad. So I've raced at Calder. Um, a few times and um, would be definitely sad to see it go. Yeah, and they're trying to get they're tr- obviously trying to get VA supercars back there one day. Look, it is it is in an area now that's residential slowly starting to get closer and closer towards it. But look, it goes back to the age old conversation. Those people bought land knowing there's a racetrack there, and they got that land cheaper. It's like it's like buying next to an airport and then complaining about the noise. Like you got your land cheaper <laughs> based on that, and that's what Sandown's gone through right now. Sandown's in some big trouble, yeah. I think, because there's basically people bordering the racetrack um, with the backyard, and, and they're complaining about the noise, and that's why they can't have so many events there. But hang on a second, you yeah. pay, you pay. 50 grand back in the 80s for that block when when blocks away from there were 150 so you've you know you can't then go on lodge a petition but, yeah, but exactly. that's that's kind of the world we're living in but it would be nice yeah. just to see you know some sort of track open up just you know mainly for for road safety in my opinion i think it'll help getting people off and away from the streets um and then a similar um articles come out about um about sandown essentially so sandown yeah with the the racetrack and the uh and the and the horse racing track and the horse track um, yeah that could, yeah, it's developed all for housing yeah, yeah. it hasn't hundred percent gone through um but yeah it's the writing's yeah. on the wall that it's going to happen and yeah you know that's 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 another facility that you know you could have learners doing some skilled driving courses before they get their P's. you could have um people yeah. doing all that kind of stuff and and it's just a shame that you know now you, you're essentially no colder no sand down so nothing nothing in the metro region you, you gotta go to heathcote now and that's a one-off um lang lang sitting there yeah. doing nothing i don't even i mean the foxes own that i believe that it's doing nothing so um, even if kids want to do you know some some skilled driving courses like where do you do it and then you you, you know these kids are being idiots and going to industrial areas at night and getting stung by the cops but it's it goes back to oh exactly being proactive yeah. you gotta do something for the kids and, and get them get them off the streets oh but that that's thing mean that quarters just yeah history upon history over the years i mean it's had anything from i think yeah massive concerts there like guns and roses and things years ago um and that and that's the thing i mean it's um if you yeah, had supercars there drag racing and Remember, I was going back in the days when Rochelle Splat and things of racing top fuel dragsters. I mean, that um, seeing those there was just incredible back in those days. And now, all this just, yeah, that's the thing. There's going to be nothing left. I mean, if kids wanting to race these days, they've got to get out their bloody Xbox or PlayStation. That's the only yeah. opportunity they'll have it. Otherwise, it's going to be on the street. So, yeah, 
Sandman goes, this goes. Well, lucky the boys and Heath get away waving the flag for something, but it's still not going to oh, help. It's not um, enough, though. You the look at the races. population sprawl no. in Melbourne now, where it's what's it, almost six million, five and a half, six million people. Um, you know, you look at how many people are getting their peas. You know, a lot, of, a lot of kids still like to mess around with their cars. Um, and one tidbit for the the colder, the colder um, race. At the end of that article, they mentioned that no re- no recent planning applications have been lodged with the council for the site. So. That's a good sign yeah. for Calder, uh, meaning that there hasn't been any development um, things to start. But they were functioning as a 2019-20, and then they were they, they stopped for resurfacing, and then COVID hit, and then it's I assume the bill just to hold that land has hurt whoever owns it, and they probably want to yep. move on from it. But let's hope they both get up and running. I mean, Sandown's I think gone. Oh yeah. Um, but it's yep. it's just a shame that, um, like we said, you know, the, the government's quick to quick to find kids for doing doing stupid stuff, which they rightfully should if they're putting the da- uh, the public in danger. But you got to think outside the box a little bit and get them off our streets. But um, story for another mm. day. Yep. Q and A's. Mm. We've got a few questions. Q&As. Had, a, had a few come in this week, which is good. So I'll read the first one out to you. Uh, my name is Josh. I've been a big fan of your basketball career. Just a quick question on your thoughts on what I found on Facebook Marketplace. I'm on the market looking for a V8 Caprice. Mainly anything after mm-hmm. 2010 has been a dream of mine to have a V8 Holden. While scrolling through Facebook Marketplace, I found he actually sent the link. Just wondering on your thoughts for the price tag for it. So basically just talks about I'd love to get a HSV, but you know, with prices like this, it's just not a reality for me to get. And that's you know, thanks for your time. Keep up the good work, and that's what we talk about. So now you've got a lot of guys that are enthusiasts that would love to have a HSV one day. Mm-hmm. They're completely priced out of the market. So for what he's looking for, I mean, where do you see that car? Caprices, anyway. I mean, one pro behind them, um, aside from being larger luxury sedan, is not many have been thrashed. So if you kind of uh, Look around that. I mean, if it's for 2010, what's that? WWM, decent one of those, and just be really conscious with a lot of the higher Ks because these are ones here where some of them are XVHA, meaning the government drive cars. So, um, I mean, they're all sorry, not government ones, but um, you know, some are government ones, but those luxury limousine kind of cars that you really get for you know, you don't want to pay for a taxi, so you um, pay a little bit extra and get into one of these corporate kind of drive cars. So, some of those are. Left in immaculate condition. I mean, I had a mate weighing with the Grange and things, and he's had Grange's Caprices, 300,000 Ks on the clock, but because he's using moisturizers in his hands, doing all those kind of things, looking after it, you could put 120,000 Ks on the clock of it and you'd actually believe it. So it's just one thing you're really going to be careful about. If those do pop up, so just make sure you're checking books and history and things behind who owns those. If it's any um, lease car companies or anything, just Google it. Do your research. Other thing behind, like I said, they haven't really been thrashed, but where prices sit, around 20 to 25 grand, you're really going to be sitting for a WM. Uh, the WNs, which is a VF um, ones for those, yeah, 30 plus, and the WN Series 2, which is probably more of a fan of, around about the 35 grand mark. So you hit the nail on the head, massive big price difference between the HSV Grange, uh, which the Grange being the... Um, yeah, HSV enhanced version. Uh, HSV is one of um, of the statesman shape. Just um, be conscious of anything around about, yeah, where the history behind that car, where it's really sat. You can get ones with slight mods and things behind them. Not a bad car to really snap up, but um, yeah, just try and find the lowest K one you possibly can with full history. And you like this, the link that he sent through, um, it isn't a caprice, he basically sent through a link that said, um, or scrolling through Facebook Marketplace, I found this, so this will give you a bit of a laugh, it's a 2012 Holden Club Sport in black, 73,000 Ks, mm-hmm. and what do you think the asking price is? 
So what is it? 2012 Club Sport? 2012 Club Sport. Just the, it looks like a stock bog clubby. Um, hunt, uh, where are we at? 73,000 on the dial kilometers. Uh, I'd say probably 55,000. Yeah, currently listed at $140,000. <laughs> <laughs> so if, oh, I, I assume, um, you know, he, he sent that to us to have a bit of a laugh. And that was from, yeah. from um, Joshua Anasis. So thanks for that question. But yeah, that, I mean, he's, he's, he's bang on by sending that to have a laugh because that's what we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, like for, for a good <laughs> Caprice, they are clean cars if you can get them. They're, they're, they're good, good family yeah. cars to drive around. But yeah, just keep a lookout for, for the price range Justin was just talking about. Yep. Next one, we're going to go to Dan. Um, first of all, love the Car Chat podcast, number one podcast for me. Always hanging for your episode. You guys always talk about the rapid rise in value of the numbered cars, such as HSV and FPV vehicles. My question is, what are your thoughts on the non-numbered cars, such as XR8s and SS Commodores? The, the recent values of cars, such as the VRVS SS, have jumped up quite a bit. I've seen examples sell well between 30 and 40K. I personally have been offered 35K for one of my VSSSs. It wasn't that long ago that you could snap a good one up for 15K. Do you think good low kilometer examples will continue to rise and are worthy of collecting and holding onto, or do you think they've reached the peak of values and may now flatten out? Keep up the good work. It's from Dan. Yeah, um, look, great, great question, Dan. With these here, especially if you've got low kilometer manual ones, like we were really touching on before when I said about a VF um, SS, if it's something your old man had when you were younger. So this tends to be what happens to these cars. So it, go, it goes both ways. People try and get the lowest kilometer example because they can't afford a HSV. So they try and snap up one of these ones to tuck away. If you kind of break it down going, would I take a 200,000K club sport? Or would I take a 70,000K VSSS manual? To be honest with me, I'd go the VSSS because I'll try. I'm just a big fan of the lowest kilometer best example you can find because, like I said, it's hard to get parts or those things. So I think it's more enjoyable with a the car there instead of something you're, you know, tad embarrassed about because the car's a bit of rough around the edges and you're driving it thinking, holy fuck, was this going to go wrong? Is that going to go wrong? Where if you know that car's got good history and good bones behind it because it's well looked after, low K, you've got pride in it. Put it, you know, whether you put some nice HSV wheels on it, lower it, make it a bit your own, still a very respectable cruiser to go take to an event. So you got that aspect of it. The other part is the younger you growing up with your old man owning one, going out on the weekend, helping him wash his SS, having a bit of pride, going for a nice drive, enjoying it, and you've got those memories and you want to go, hey, I want to go get one of those again because they're my memories with my old man. That's where the fun factor was, get dropped off to school and things. I need one of those again. That's where this happens too. So you're going to have those parts of it. The lower kilometre ones, things will always command good dollars. I think they're always going to go up. The high K ones and things, there's some guys buying them. Unfortunately, they're getting them, ripping the bits and pieces out of it, ripping the engines out of it putting into other other things around also ls swapping him things like that happen so that's always going to fluctuate around but the main part is here good example low kilometer ones will they continue to rise yes they will all right so the next question is from matt tuxy via twitter and email bows one for jason so messed your name up a little bit but got the j right so <laughs> justin that's okay not sure if if i'm into euro builds speaking about me so we'll let justin handle this one but i've got an 81 porsche 928s fully rebuilt and restored and i'm keen to nab a few 944s and build them do you think the appetite will remain for these 9 9 11 and 3 356 p's or will it wash over oh it's 
very, very interesting question, Matt. Um, 81 Porsche 928. Risky Business Porsche. You've seen Risky Business? I can remember the old Tom Cruise movie. Long, long time ago, yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was back in his Top Gun kind of days around there. So, he had that hype there. But, um, yeah, it's, I think it was his dad or something had one and him and his mate take it out and racing it and things. So, um, yeah, interesting interesting question. So, as far as the 944s sit, um, very, very popular kind of track day cars they were for years. So, I think with anything that it's really got the appetite for that entry-level style. So, of course, um, the 911s and the 356s, I mean, the you know, Porsche 356, beautiful lines of that car. It's right up there with the E-Type Jaggers, actually known as one of the most beautiful cars ever made. But I think in that realm for that back um, in the, you know, 80s, 90s, the, the 911 has just developed even a kick on again with a further cult following and that's because of the likes of um the modified ones so Ra welt uh rwb yeah very very popular so in the asian community and things doing the whole white body thing definitely look them up look up rwb porsche if you don't know what they are and even the likes of the ruf so these tuners and things out there doing them the modern twist and all that mate fantastic and that's what's really gived along that big kick along and cult following and touching on the movies bad boys as well so the first bad boys that had um yeah the 911 in it unbelievable so i think that's actually had that whole strong appetite behind it but as far as a follow-on um for these ones anything entry level like we're touching on before with the vsss being um the next best thing to get if you can't afford the hsv no difference to these what you talk about these porsches here so the appetite will remain because of people wanting to get one and people buy what they can afford. But the main thing behind it, mate, that if you're enjoying your 928 and you're keen to nab a couple of 944s, build them, have fun with it, if that's going to put a smile on your face and you're just buying it because you actually love it yourself and you enjoy it, go ahead and do it. Don't just try and buy one because you're just worried about that's all I can afford and that's all I can get into and that's the next best thing to a 911. So if that's your way to do it, don't even waste your time. Enjoy your Porsche 928 that you got. Otherwise, yeah, get out, nab them, build them, have fun if that's actually what you want to do. All right, so you've got a funny scenario for us. What have you got? Yeah, I came across this and I just thought it's very, very interesting. Um, story is a son took his dad's supercharged Mustang out with his dad knowing. Son was 18 years of age on P-plate, smashed it, wrote it off. Bottom line is insurance company won't cover it because the son legally can't drive the car. The only way the insurance company will cover it is if the dad reports the car as stolen, which could result in the son getting charged and a conviction. Hard scenario there. What do you do? Yeah, it's a tough What would you do, Bugs? Oh, man, it's a tough one. The first thing, first question is how much damage, but you've, you've said written <laughs> off pretty much, right? Written off, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. Look, I think- you know, you'd want to teach your son a lesson or daughter. And I'm going to be honest, I took the, I had the VR Bellina that my dad bought when I was on my owls. It was kind of the car that we just bought a cheap hold and we're going to kind of spruce it up a little bit as I, as I got more and more money as 17, 18 year old working. And whenever they would leave the house, I would take that out. I remember one day we had half days at my school on Thursdays, um, nine till 12. Decided to take the late bus, um, slept in a little bit and got up and my, my dad goes to work at 8 so he was gone the old lady left a little bit earlier about 8.30 and as I was walking out the driveway to go to the bus stop the car was sitting there I went back inside yep. grabbed the keys uh, chucked some peas on the on the back of the car and, and drove to school so it was about you know 25 <laughs> minute drive from my house 20 minute drive yeah 
and then thought, you know, shit, I'll make it back to back to my house by, you know, one o'clock because we finished at twelve thirty, even one thirty. Yeah. My parent, my mum usually would come home about three thirty four, and the old man would come home about five thirty. So I thought I was good, right? So drive home, grab a couple of boys, drop them off. Thought I was a baller. I get to the driveway and the old lady's car sitting in the driveway, and I'm like, "What the hell's going on? Like, why is she back? It's twelve thirty. And um, so I park kind of around the corner. I walk in the house, and I'm like, "What am I going to say? What am I going to say?" My, my old lady sees me, and she goes, "What are you doing here?" And I'm just, "Oh, we finished school early. I wasn't feeling well. I had a headache. Blah blah blah." She didn't even know the car was gone, so we only had it for <laughs> we only had the car for about a month or two, right? So we just weren't used to having wow. having a third car in the driveway. But then I'm like, "Okay, so now she's going to go out." To her car, she had she had basically stopped home to grab a bite to eat. She was in the area, I grabbed, grabbed a bite to eat, and then was going back on the road to do a few more deliveries for my dad. So now I'm like, shit, she's gonna go back out uh, in the driveway, reverse out, and then see my car parked kind of like halfway down the street. Fuck. So I just basically said, oh, I had a he- I had a headache, so I came home, and then I had to go to the milk bar to, to buy some Panadol. So I just used a car. Like, is that all right? And all they were pissed about was that. that- Insurance. That's all they cared about. Like they didn't care about me. Yeah. They didn't care about me getting hurt or you're gonna you're gonna crash into it. It was like if you have an accident, we don't have insurance, you idiot. You know, and that's all they cared about. This <laughs> is the same situation. So the way I would handle it, I would put my son on a payment plan until that damage is paid for the next ten years of his life, probably fifteen years of his life. Um, but yeah, you definitely don't want to have your your son or daughter with a criminal charge against them for whatever the reason. I mean, unless it's something that they yeah. you know have done absolutely stupidly, but for something like that. Yeah, the money you, you can always pay back the money. Um, the the charges on on their name forever. Yeah, oh exactly, and 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 I think it'll really come down to what path your kids really heading down. I mean, at eighteen years old, if you kind of know out there, failing at school, getting doing drugs, wrong crowd, everything happening, you kind of go, okay, so do they need a wake up call? So, but otherwise, if you got a kid on the straight path and he's just literally gone out trying to impress a chick or his mates or something and he's just gone out and done that, um, well, then you kind of know, well, if they're destined for something good, that they'll be getting a high-paying job and, like you said, payment plan, get that rolling and you kind of know you fucking owe me and that's coming back one day. So, whether, whether you can afford it, you cashed up, something happens, you can buy me a car or that money's coming back. So, yeah. Hard one. Tough one, yeah, real tough one, especially if it was, I mean, I assume it was a late model Mustang with the sounds of things, but that's why for, yeah. everyone, for everyone out there with nice high-end sports cars with kids, when they throw those L's up there, let them drive it just in case they do happen to take it out and don't know how to control it. At least yeah, they'll have exactly. a bit of experience and they can legally do yeah. that, which is just a, yeah. to me, it's a mind-boggling law in the system where you can't drive a high-powered car on your P's, but on your L's, you can literally drive a Ferrari. It makes no sense to me still to this day. Oh, it's, I, I still laugh at some of the power to weight laws that you can, like I was saying before about P-plates driving Golf GDIs, you can go drive one of those, but in some of the things, I think it's like, um, yeah, you can't drive like a VXSS or something like that. It's my, absolutely mind-boggling that especially these, some of these hot hatches, you can go get a flash tune put in them and they make some serious power and um, these front-wheel drive ones are contain out some, a lot of the times it's easy to kick a rear-wheel drive car sideways and pull it back then instead of these um front wheel drive cars just jumping all over the place and you can put that in the tree real fast oh, so, especially yeah. in, the, in the wet man like 
yeah, yeah. You're, you're in all kinds of trouble at least you know but story for another day anyway yep. that wraps up episode four of the car chat thanks again justin everyone out there at rogue bogues on all the social media platforms rogue bogues car chat on facebook keep supporting us um this is one that's kind of unique we're really the only ones doing a, a specific car chat for, for anything so we, we welcome further discussions we got a little bit of shit the other week saying we should rename the, the, the car chat to hsv car chat so hopefully for you ford lovers out there which i am one i've, I've got my fair share of fords we, we gave you enough ford stuff and and if if we haven't reach out to us send through, send through some questions about some ford stuff and we will be happy to to answer yeah it. exactly and uh, yeah spot on and, and it's great like matt sending us a question around euros and things so that that's thing we are car chat we're just not you know, one brand specific, yes, we're passionate about certain ones, but keep it flowing through. Topics, questions, anything you want to address, shoot it across. If I don't know it, Bogues doesn't know it. We all know people throughout the scene that will know it. So, like I said, other guest speakers, things come on the horizon. Like it, share it, get this, pump it up. And when we start seeing the um, some solid, solid numbers, at least we can tap on the shoulders of some of these other guest speakers we've got on the horizon who will jump on and join us. Great. All right. Thanks. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys.